are here with Rich from Bunch of Amateurs. Evening, mate. Right, lads, how are you? Well, nice good. to see you, Richard, again. Nice to see you. Thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Pleasure. Very excited about this one. I've done a few podcasts now, but I've never done one on camera, so I'm um, usually over that side. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, so we're putting you in front of the camera tonight. Uh, right, so we've had quite a few questions in. We've had quite a few areas that we want to discuss. So not everybody's going to be aware of it and your sort of backstory and things like that, which... Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and <laughs> up to the point where you are now with doing a bunch of managers with Dawkins. Uh, it's like a job interview. Yeah. Like, where do I start? Right. <laughs> I, yeah, I never know where to start with that question, the job interview, because like, it's easy when you're young. Um, I uh, I guess my dad got me into TV and film as a kid, um, let me watch a lot of horror movies and that when I was like eight. I remember watching Robocop when I was nine. Um, so, but I, the reason I mention that is because Dad was really good at explaining how things were done right. in the production process. So I was never bothered about blood and guts in films because Dad was always telling me how it was done. And you know, did like, you work in that area? No, not until we worked for a local council in Lambeth. Oh, you blood and guts there, mine. Yeah, probably that. <laughs> in the seventies, eighties, I'd imagine. In Lambeth. Um, yeah. Um, but Sorry, no, it was just. Anyone who lives no, but it was his. It was his interest. It's what he was into. Always loved films, so um, that that's where it came from for me to, to be into TV film. And as soon as I uh, left school, I got to college for for a TV um, course, and then when I left college, my tutor said to me, um, rather than uh, go to uni, because the uni courses were exactly the same. So why don't you uh, just get a job in TV? Like start at the bottom. Get a mm. runner's job. Yeah. Um, so my first runner's job was funny enough was in Dorking for a company called Cloud Nine TV. Um, it used to be up Vincent Road, I think. Um, that was we're talking nineteen ninety nine, I think it was. Um, and then I did a bit of tent in film studios, and then eventually ended up with Sky and started as a receptionist and answering the phones and stuff. But I got onto the reception desk for Sky Movies, got to know the guys there, and ended up getting a job with, with Sky Movies and, and working on the movie website for about the next, was it Sky for 16 years? Um, but I was running the website for about 10, something like that. Um, but that meant, but working there, like if I could go back in time and start this at the dawn of YouTube, I, I absolutely would. Yeah. But I couldn't have done it back then because I didn't know enough about what I needed to do. And working a team like Sky Movies, particularly on the website, it meant that I worked with every different facet of the company yeah, yeah. It meant I worked with um, well, I worked in the music I learned about music and how to make promos yeah. I learned about the marketing team so the press and publicity team and the production team um, and that's what's helped me today um, to do stuff because I understand how the different parts of a business work not just production so after I left Sky I took what was effectively redundancy um, I bounced around a few jobs uh, decent pay but very very boring um, corporate stuff because you can't there's only like half a dozen movie website editor roles in the country so and like me the people who are in just never going to leave them so I was looking for jobs like I'd been doing it was just it was really hard to find so I was doing these other jobs and just had the idea that maybe I could do something myself maybe I, I had a camera um, <laughs> I can't really explain where that came from let's just say when I left Sky there was some bits left over um, I had this camera and I thought well, I can do something with this and Maybe I could do a football thing. I shot some football stuff in the early 2000s when my mates were playing, so they little closes for them. 
Um, I thought well, maybe I could revisit that because back then I wanted to do a documentary. I started shooting one on Langshot Ranges or a Sunday League. Okay. Yeah. But I had no clue how a documentary would even work. I remember doing the first couple of minutes and then um, just like not having a clue what I should do next. All I knew how to do was shoot and edit short, fast-paced music videos. Uh-huh. So, um, so yeah, grabbed the camera, went and met Barks, who was at Charwood, who I knew through some friends, um, and just started filming with him. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. And, you know, it'd be hard today, ultimately. Wow, so, so obviously it's your living. You literally, this is what you do. Yeah. Nothing else is what you do. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, like you say, in the field, there's not, is there, how much can this carry on? How much further do you feel you could go on with this? I don't know. Really? I really don't know. I certainly don't think we're limited. I like to think we're at the start. There's a, there's a few times when it's crossed my mind that maybe we can get bored of this. Maybe this is a flash in the pan. Mm. And then I think, well, you look at the channels like the SE Dons or Palmers or Hashtag, and they've got audiences that are way bigger than ours, anywhere from five times to ten times bigger than ours. So I think, well, there's a ton of people out there that don't know we exist yet, that don't know that we're doing this. So with that in mind, we've only just begun. So I think it can go a lot further. I was chatting to Barks the other day and he was reminding me that Bunch Amateurs isn't limited to football. No, you know, there's, there's plenty of sports we could go into. One of the lucky things that we kind of fell into was that we, certainly me and Barks, when we, because Barks was a big part of this when we first started, um, and hopefully still will be in the future. Um, but he, when we were deciding on the name, because originally it was a film and then because of COVID, we changed our approach. Um, when we came up with a name, every show that we put on was just a bunch of amateurs. And then Mark said to me, you need to start dividing this up so people know what it's child and what it's doing. And he just goes, you know, you can uncover something like that. Mm. And I was like, um, well, let's just call it that and see how that goes. We had about 300 viewers at the time. So, you know, we try anything. Um, so we started calling it Dorking Uncovered, Child Uncovered, and then Holland Uncovered, but it was still under a bunch of amateurs. So yeah. we've got that label that we, and we can do anything underneath umbrella, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. umbrella. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was kind of worked out like that. But I think I think we can go a lot bigger. I'd like to be doing two shows a week, one Dorking, one other club. And, um, you know, we're looking at options there. I'd love it if Barks could get back involved with the club, but that's proving, finding a club at the level he wants to manage at is proving tricky. Um, so, but I'll be patient. I'll wait for him when he wants to start filming again. We'll do it because you know we're we're close like that. So, hopefully, that'll happen. But yeah, I, I to answer your question, I don't know. But I, I think I think there's a long way to go. Yeah. Also, do you speak to the other other people like hashtag? You mentioned hashtag hashtag United. You know, in the northern uh, me and North League. Do you speak to those people as well? Because they're doing wonders over there, aren't they? Yeah. And one of the guys that's involved with that used to work in Scotland. Neil Smith. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Neil. Um, yeah, so yeah, there's an in there. I mean, when we had a um, Dorking game cancelled recently, which was our Gateshead, and I put a shout out to say, you know, who wants to come film? Hashtag said what about us? And why they really agreed with that? Yeah, yeah. It's a shame because I quite like to that hashtag, but it made me realise that you know we can go and do that. I have had a couple of conversations with SC Dons. Um, that's a funny one because I I tried to get in touch with them at the beginning when we were doing the film and they ignored a couple of my emails um, and I made a, a passing comment in one of the episodes about it um, and they took umbrage at that, um, which I didn't know. And apparently in some Twitter spaces discussion, they were they were moaning about it. They were, I think they were talking about the way that they're treated and they're treated differently. I think they were talking about racial undertones and... 
when I got told about that, I was like, well, I can see where they're coming from. But in my case, it was purely, you hadn't replied to me. So I gave a little dig and back then we had 200 viewers. So I didn't think anyone would ever see it. So I got in touch with the main guy there um, and we had a chat and I think we got on okay now from what I can tell. Um, but, you know, I'd like to go and see those guys. But no, we've never really got into, I had a, a good chat with Smithy, the Palmer's FC guy, when he was talking about winding down before they stopped filming. And I think <coughs> he was interested in getting me to come and do the filming for them, but that would have meant not doing a bunch of amateurs. So um, that didn't come about. But yeah, I think, I, I think the dialogue should be open with those guys yeah, because yeah. I don't think it's a competition for viewers. I think we'd share the viewership. There's plenty of room for non-league football shows. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Um, when you were growing up and stuff, Rich, did you play yourself? One of the questions mm. we have is about you playing. Had you ever heard of Dawkins Wanderers? Because you're relatively local, aren't you? Yeah. Um, Dawkins and stuff when Wanderers first performed. I think you ever seen yourself coming across and playing on one of the Dawkins sides? No. I, I played for South Park from 87 to 92, something like that. Um, and played for my school, but for some reason, I turned up at that first South Park D training session in a goalie kit. No. So I became a goalkeeper. Like, oh, you know, you're then tired of that brush. Um, I was no good at football whatsoever until I was about 17. Um, Sonia had a spurt and became, when we had kickabouts and stuff, um, I was a lot better. Uh, but I was never, my vision of what I ever wanted to do on a football pitch was there, but my ability to achieve it just wasn't. Funny enough, when I was in the garden as a kid, you know, I'm like 10 years old, instead of just practicing to hit into the top corner all the time, I'd pick the ball up and imagine it going into the top corner. And I think that says a lot where I am today, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be kicking. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think, no, I didn't know much about dorking at all. Um, and I don't know why not. I was always fairly familiar with, I guess because I lived in Hawley for a long time, I was, I'd kind of moved just those few miles in that other direction. Yeah. So I knew what was going on at Hawley Town and the Crawley quite a bit. Um, but it wasn't until I was getting my hair cut at Brent Walsh in Rygate and um, I was telling him what I was doing with Charlwood and he said he needed to go and meet the guys at Dorking. Oh, right. That's um, handy. That's yeah. funny how it happens. It wouldn't be it today. Exactly. Yeah. That, if I got yeah. some sort of haircut, it would be today. Yeah, yeah it's funny. These little things do happen, don't they? Yeah. 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 Did you ever thought, think, imagine it, how how big it was going to get in Dawkins? No, no, not in the slightest. No. Bob said to me, we've had success if and when we make a two-hour film and we put it on at Rygate Cinema and... Uh, we sell out the seats and we get loads of people, our friends, players, whatever. That's when we know we succeeded. Um, so I thought, if we can get 200 people to watch a film that we've made, brilliant. Like, then I can go back to my day job or whatever. Um, so the idea that you know, there's 50,000 people will be watching an episode of Dorking Uncovered to me is ludicrous. Like, it's, it's, you can't really fathom what that's like. like they will they're just out there watching it and sometimes people come up to me and that's at matches and say, oh, I watched that episode and I'm like, I still think I'm making it for yeah. a bunch yeah. of people that, you know, I know. Yeah. Makes you proud. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I worked at Sky for a very long time, but I don't think any of what I did there had an impact on anybody. I was writing film reviews or whatever they have. Um, there was no tangible impact about what I did there. And certainly as a big company, you can't really make a dent. No, you like, 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 yeah, you bounce off it, and the, the behemoth is still exactly as it yeah. was before yeah. I left. You know? Yeah. So as much fun as I had there, um, 
what I've done in the last two years has been far more meaningful to me than anything that I could have done in you know, two decades in Sky. So. And yourself, obviously, you've got a lot of people working under you, haven't you? And, uh, you know, they've got to take you out after them as well because they're committed, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And I think it was the start of season two with Charlwood. I said to a couple of my close friends, um, guys, I know you don't like football, but if I train you up on cameras, can you come and help me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And so three of those guys helped out for about six months. Then they got busy with the kids or whatever, and they couldn't keep doing it. But Greg kept going. Yeah. And he's one of my oldest friends. So he got onto YouTube, started learning how to use cameras and lighting and whatever. He just got, it became a hobby for him, so he got really into it. Um, and then my wife, then fiance slash girlfriend, she didn't know when she was going to see me at weekends. So she was like, I'll come and help. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, and she knew I needed help. So she was willing to learn and chip in. Um, but they, and then Jack, um, who was a fan of the show, got in touch. And, you know, I get quite a few emails saying, come and film our club. Can I come and join you or whatever? And I don't necessarily trust people enough to want to just come and get involved. Yeah. But Jack, I just took a punt on and don't regret that at all. If anything, there's a chance that in the long term, if we make enough money, he can quit his day job and join me. Um, I need more help. One of the big problems we've got is that the footage I shoot and the audio that I record requires a lot of trust from the players and from Mark. Yeah. Of course. Um, and I can't hire a second unit to do the editing, for instance, yeah. just some guy, because yeah. it's going to get six hours of Mark a week. And yeah. you can yeah. imagine what's on that yeah. audio file. So, but, if it's someone within the team and within the, the BOA family, as it were, then you know that's that's where I can see it's expanding. So you've got a couple of young lads as well, haven't you? Still, yeah. Now, Alex, that. Alex, and Freddie, um, the runners, the junior runners, um, realised that we can't really do it without at least one of them coming in. Um, Freddie got into trouble at school recently, and so his mum, I found out the last minute, banned him from helping that night. So I had to basically beg her to let him work. I was like, you you can't punish me. You can punish him. Some other way because I need him to do the GoPro. I needed to do the GoPros, you know. So like, can we find another way to punish him? Basically, yeah. um, so I don't know what he did. I think he stormed out of his RE lessons, which I can't really blame. Him. But, um, yeah. So I basically said to his his mum that um, you know he's worked so hard. Um, you know, I can vouch for him, and then I had to tell him quite sternly, don't mess yeah. this up. Yeah, no, it's yeah, fair. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a job, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's like a job for you. It is. It's like a apprenticeship type thing. These guys are doing. Imagine, you know, that kind of keen interest that you'd had. Um, yeah, being given yeah. that opportunity to do it as well. Yeah, they've got the opportunities now. Yeah, they've got opportunities that I never had at that age. Mm-hmm. I didn't pick up a camera in any kind of professional capacity until I was nineteen, I think. So for them to be doing that at fourteen, fifteen, yeah, I mean, it's a big opportunity for yeah. them. So. Um, yeah, I think they need to make the most of it. For me, it's exciting because, you know, I used to manage a team and then after leaving Sky, I haven't managed anyone mm-hmm. for three or four years. So the chance to start helping some yeah. lads out and yeah. tell them how to do stuff. Awesome. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 remember, I remember how to manage. It's been a while, but hopefully I can. Yeah, that's good. Um, what else we have here then? Let's see. Uh, talk us through the... Structure of the episodes, somebody's asked. How do you put the sort of the structure together of the episodes? Um, um, depend on, on the particular game or what else you've done that particular week in terms yeah. of the, the element of training and things like that that you've included into it. We 
we stumbled into a cookie cutter format basically and that is based around the routine of a football club right yeah. so it's always team to one yeah. warm up team to two match half time yeah full time um, and is that something that you worked out yourself or have you taken inspiration from any of those other sort of documentaries that have been out there that sort of thing? none of that I mean kind of the other docs the doc that inspired me was Sunderland Till I Die yeah. Yeah. That's, for me that's the absolute yeah. pinnacle of football documentaries particularly yeah. seasons one and two yeah. um, the idea of following people around with the camera I was looking at that taking notes how many cameras are they using what games are they going to how often are, you know yeah. Yeah. started taking notes about that stuff in terms of the structure no we Originally, we were, because we've been making a film, I just thought I'll shoot a load of games, then at the end, see what I can turn that into. Um, and then just working with Barks, it was like, oh, okay, well, I better be there, and then I better go there. And then during lockdown, Barks said to me, why don't you make some weekly episodes to show the Charlie team? Yeah. I started making the edits and thought, well, I'll just keep it as in, you know, start, middle, and end, you know, as, as the days were going, just match them with the documentary. So I did that. And then sometimes there'll be a curveball there'll be you know we shot training and you know mark said something that set up a payoff later on so yeah. let's put that in there how's that gonna work well yeah i don't know that's fine my brain let me just do my normal edit and then i'll go back and make that and then yeah. if i can squeeze that in will that work and just put it in and i'm looking through my things and like does that work and i'll watch it and then you know what i think that does just chop yeah. that out chop yeah. that out and now that flows um so yeah it's i kind of have a bit of a freak out if i have to break that routine but in, I need to force myself to do that from time to time but yeah it's tough because sometimes when you know on those days when you don't really feel like it or you don't want to put your neck on the line it's just I'm just going to do what I normally do mm. and hope for the best Stay safe. Then, yeah but then exactly but then yeah. by the end I won't play safe I'll be like oh, it's too lazy no go and, to go and mix it up a bit I yeah. think that's sometimes that, that's where the advantage of social media comes in sometimes and, and things like Patreon as well isn't it because you can if you feel that you have to you can almost justify those decisions can't you, you know, yeah yeah, you're right well or the footage such as the Eastern mm-hmm. game you know they were so close together so you sort of combine them both as one episode rather than doing that normal thing and yeah, I think that so many people are so prone now as well that you know it doesn't you know people are like that's absolutely yeah and, and you've got everybody on the side anyway yeah that's a bonus the, the Patreon thing is interesting because I can do an episode and put it on there and at the moment that's six or seven days before YouTube yeah and I can get feedback from that and people can tell me I've made like I've just got an email now saying you've got the wrong name for the guy well, this is up for the girl there was a date that I messaged you about once with one of the games the yeah the date was exactly that well. yeah. The, yeah the tricky thing about the way I do it is that one of the many tricky things is that when I've done an episode it's like a house of cards that edit timeline's got so much going on in it yeah. that if, if I turn around and touch the keyboard and don't realise it the whole thing's fucked <laughs> so um, there are times when that's happened and every time you watch you make an edit or any kind of individual change even yeah. if you just get rid of Mark saying the C word you've then got to watch you've got to export it and watch the whole thing again yeah. all 40 minutes yeah. just to make sure there isn't because you just disable one clip and, and it's happened on this one episode out there where it goes red for five seconds and that's because that clip got disconnected from the library um, and I didn't spot it because I probably watched the episode three times. Yeah. Now I've got to watch it again. I'm like, so I send it out to the team. Greg will make notes and Jack will make notes. 
But if they make notes and I make changes, they're not going to make those changes. And then technically, you've got to watch it again. Yeah, it's um, so when I put it onto Patreon, it does give me an opportunity to yeah. spot those errors. Yeah. But as you say, yeah, there's a, there's a real something I never saw coming. And I guess it's different. So I'm trained in traditional TV. When I went to Brit, it was I was there to learn old-fashioned television. It was before digital editing even. Yeah, well, there was one digital edit suite, but you, know, you couldn't edit. You don't have a phone to edit on like you do today. Um, we learned very old-fashioned techniques back then. So today, for it to be so malleable and for you to be able to make changes right up to the wire and to be able to have a routine and have the show go out regularly, but to be able to say, you know what, I've been ill this week, yeah. you're away a week, yeah. you know, deal with it, yeah. you get free TV. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't really mind doing that, but yeah, it's, it's a different world to what I was trained in and, um, you know, have to learn to adapt to that. So yeah. And editing is, is, is horrible, isn't it? Look, it's the hardest part, isn't it? Yeah, it's not, I mean, it isn't, it isn't, it isn't horrible. To me, I love editing. It's, it's, it's probably my favourite part of the job. Really? Then again, it has to be. I was actually told that somebody asked us actually, what was your favourite bit? Was it the filming bit? Is it the editing? Is it the narrating? I mean, the narrating is my least favourite bit. (laughs) Well, I remember early on when I was picking up a camera and I was thinking, God, I get to actually be creative with this camera. I can frame a shot. There's a reason for me to do it. You know, that was exciting to me. So I've done a fair bit of that. But the more we've done Dorking in particular, we're at Meadowbank all the time. There's only so many ways you can shoot the stage. (laughs) There's only so many things you can do to get creative. And every now and then I get a shot and I go, oh, I framed that up beautifully. But it doesn't happen that often. Mm -hmm. So the, the shooting bit is quite arduous. And honestly, I'm mostly scared because I'm just worried about missing something, about not making it back into a team talking time. Oh, yeah. And I get a lot of um, stress dreams, anxiety dreams. Really? Yeah, I dream about um, being on the sidelines and seeing Mark come out of a team talk and realizing I wasn't in there, or I'm on the pitch playing with the players and I haven't got a camera on me. But I get that one a lot. Wow. It's really freaky. And I wake up in a cold sweat and I'm so relieved and I realize I haven't missed anything. I'll go back really? to see it again. Yeah, I'd say, oh, I lost the shirt. That's a Oh, Could bring a sub on, Mark. Another injury. But yeah, so, yeah, so editing, you really. Yeah, I really enjoy it. It's. Um, it's it, some, some elements of the editing is just the process of. So it takes. It takes a day, nearly a day, to sync up the episodes. Doing it yesterday for the next one. Um, so it's four or five, maybe six hours. I have loads of little projects, projects for the team talks, a project for the interviews, a project for the match, a project for the intro. And I have to sync up all the camera angles and the audio tracks. And once they're all synced up, it's a very organisational thing. So I put some music on, yeah, I can watch some TV while I'm doing it. So yesterday was nice, I could watch the match on my iPad while I'm syncing this up. Um, once they're all prepared, then the next day, which was today, I start going and just chopping it all down and removing bits. Um, trying and the tricky bit is I I, I want there to be storylines and mm, I want story beats. So if Mark says something, I want it to pay off later on. Yeah. I never know which way to do it. If I edit the game first, I may miss I may delete bits that he talks about. But then again, he may talk about stuff that's totally superfluous. So yeah. I try and break it down quite a bit. And then I'll do the match, and it'll still be very long. 
and then I'll start identifying bits. And occasionally I'm like, oh, shit, I've got to go find that thing I deleted. Yeah. That could take ages. Yeah. You can get caught up on one little thing that will take three or four hours. Yeah. And in that time, if I hadn't got caught up on that, I could have got the whole thing done. Um, so that's when it gets quite stressful. Um, but day three is when I do the narration. So by that point, it will all be on one edit timeline. It'll be about an hour long. And I will tidy and fix and start writing a script. And uh, today, these days, I will write a bit of script, record it, adjust all the audio, move on to the next bit. So by the end of that day, the whole thing will be tidied up with audio mixing and with the narration. But that's really stressful for a couple of reasons. Um, the audio mixing takes ages. So so many microphones now. You've got Beanie, Dukes, Carl whoever all on a mic so it's five or six lines plus the mics from around the pitch so i think we're up to like 10 or 11 mic tracks now and they all have to be faded in and out between each section so if we have a bit where dan lincoln's kick the ball harry's headed it on someone's volleyed to hit the barber over mark says something sarcastic that's the section mm-hmm. the next section will be nick reader's got it on the wing right so when that section ends all of those audio tracks have got to fade out and those have all got to fade in yeah. just so that you don't hear the, the gap. Yeah, so yeah, it flows better, which I didn't yeah. do for the first two years. But now when I, if I play it back and I hear an audio jump, I'm like, no, I've got to fix that. I can't let that go. Mm. So that's that combined with having to then write the script, which comes easy to me, funny enough, but then at the time, do you do that, do you do that script writing whilst watching it all back in yeah, full? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... As I'm going through it, bit by bit, and tidying it up, I watch. So, ultimately, the game is broken down into lots of little sections. Okay. Yeah. And um, as you would see on Match of the Day, you know, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, you, I watch the section, yeah. what happened there, think about it, write a little couple yeah. of lines. Yeah. Sometimes it's just an explanation as to what's happened, help the story along. Yeah. I then have to listen to what Mark and the coaches are saying. And if it's not entirely, if it's not self-explanatory what they're doing, mm-hmm. I'll write a line to explain it, okay. just to set it up yeah. so yeah. people understand yeah. what's going on. Sometimes I won't know, so I'll voice note Mark and be like, hey, mate, what formation were you playing? I need to figure that out. I can't tell. And he'll be like, oh, fuck, mate, I don't fucking remember. But he does need to, that's what he said on Sunday. He doesn't always remember. Most of the time he does. He's got such a brain for formations that he knows exactly what happened. Um, but he's always straight on there. He'll yeah. tell me straight, won't mess about. He'll tell me immediately what's going on. Yeah. Um, but and then there's a, a little bit of pressure on the script. I want it to be like funny or entertaining or, or whatever, um, but I want to get it right. And I, what I try and remind myself is that when I first did it, it was for 20 people. I'm not going to change my approach. No. I'm still going to do it as if it's for like 20 yeah. people. And we get, you know, it's probably the thing we get most feedback about is, is that. You need to It's you, thing, isn't it? I guess, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just, it just, they go together to show in that script and that voice that I do. So that was kind of a bit like that. Yeah, yeah, just a bit. Yeah, I mean, when I was at, when I was at school, in school play, I got told to use my voice right. in my career. And then at Sky, I realised that narration and voiceovers, um, there's so many people doing it. And we used to hire people, TV's yeah. Craig Stevens, yeah. we used to get to do a lot of hours. Um, but money. It can be if you're willing to work relentlessly. And my friend Craig, he had an um, audio thing set up at home. Yeah. He would send his audio stuff into Sky. Yeah. Um, but it's, I remember when I was looking for a voiceover artist for a thing we did at Sky once, and I had this book to go through and then all these clips to listen to, and there was just so many that I thought the chances of me ever getting a career out of that would be like, you know, null. Yeah. So, but I did used to get this, um, 
I forget about it, but talking to you now, I kind of remember, I used to get this pang of like kind of regret and frustration that I hadn't gone into production because I'd worked behind the scenes. I didn't work on TV or hold any cameras or anything like that, very, not very often. Um, so I used to kind of regret that. But Bunch of Amateurs has given me that opportunity to do the stuff that I always wished I had done, yeah. um, which is what I like most. And I'll never, ever, ever, no matter how stressful it gets, I'll never regret doing this. Right. I yeah. won't stop until there's no one watching. And I think that's why a lot of people that go into that bit where they're kind of following their own path would say, mate, give me the opportunity to step outside. Yeah. And I'm going to an organisation and do exactly what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. As your wife about these dreams, she happy? <laughs> <laughs> You waking up, <laughs> shouting out, get in the camera and no, get the camera right. Up to listen to a snore. Fair enough. <laughs> just talking about the challenges you had, you know, putting things together, you know, everything like that. What about this this season? Have you had many challenges by clubs? I know we were talking off air, but right. obviously I do the commentary and I found lots of people, most of the clubs, really helpful. And uh, well, I think you both had similar experience at one club this year, though, didn't you? When they turned the lights out when you didn't let you in and they didn't let you in either. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How have you found the clubs in the league? Well, you know, coming through the leagues with Dorking Wanderers, overwhelmingly positive. Um, you know, there, there's a few fairly public instances of, of me kind of falling out with people, but I, I don't want that to be an overriding thing um, because it's like with any negative feedback. We'll get 99 messages saying, I love the show, I love the show. Yeah. I get that one message going, your joke's the shit. I'll be like, oh, man. Yeah. And I'll get wound up about it. And it's like, no, you can forget that. It's the same with um, the clubs. Nearly all of them are great. And actually, nearly all of the clubs, even including the ones we've had trouble with, nearly all of the people at those clubs are great. Mm. There just tends to be one person yeah. that, that doesn't get it or yeah. they don't. I think they don't like the idea. What and We're trying to adapt to make sure that we're you know, aware of this in advance so that we, we can avoid having any kind of collisions. We are not stepping on their toes. We're, we're not trying yes. to um, walk into their home and put our feet up on the coffee table. It's not. Yeah. Which we're, we're happy and appreciative that they've given us the opportunity and the access. Um, and the club at the weekend... Um, Everyone there was great. We had one guy who was the first guy we met on the way in who um, kept saying, among other things, and we were debating, um, you know, you're lucky we've let you in, you're here because we've let you in, stuff like that. And I was just like, I appreciate that, I get that, yeah, but we still need yeah. to do our job. Yeah. Uh, so it's frustrating that you're not letting me do our job. Obviously, at Maidenhead, the, everyone at Maidenhead was brilliant. We interviewed um, club, who was a club secretary, I'm not sure. Um, the media, uh, the young lady, the media team had arranged for us all to come in. It was everything was going brilliantly until um, the head of operations, whatever it is, yeah. it's the same role but with a different job title at every club. Yeah. And yeah. you have to make sure that person is on side. Yeah. And when this guy came up to me, I yeah. said to him, I said, Look, if you've not been told we were coming, he said, No, I bloody haven't. I said, I'm so sorry because when you don't know that, that's when we have a bad day. Yeah. So you're about to have a very bad day. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, you don't have to go in with that attitude, no, mate. No, like, no. Let's try and work it out. Yeah, we'll try yeah. and work it out. And yeah. um, unfortunately, that guy didn't want to work it out. And, um, you know, we had to abandon that episode entirely in the end, um, which was a shame. Um, but no, I think, you know, I'm focusing on the negative. Being the vast majority. I mean, Halifax, for instance, 
they gave you that. They just said, no, you've got all the access you want, just get on with it. And we did. And we just, actually, my favourite one's all Trillium because they were really concerned. They weren't sure about letting us in. And I said to the guy who pretty much said no, I said, just trust me, give me an opportunity and I'm going to make your club look good. We're going to be very positive about the club. Um, we went and did a full, you know, drone, everything, showed off the ground. Mm. Um, yeah, and at the end, he was like, I think we did at the end as well. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was a oh, like yeah. Phil Parkinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Nice and cool. Oh, nice fella. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the one Phil Parkinson that was willing to talk to me, <laughs> not the one that saw me and ran off after agreeing to do it. Well, I did speak to him, actually. I've heard that Phil Parkinson. Yeah, they, I mean, then, you know, he was he was the only one who said when the episode comes out we're going to retweet it. None of the oh, weirdly really? wow. none of the National fact. League clubs ever ever get involved no. in this on social. They don't retweet, they don't like, they don't reply. Um, we had a few in the south um, that engaged with us, and anyone any time done trial with the Holland Sports, the opposition have pretty much got involved. Yeah. But National League clubs just don't engage with us, and it's frustrating. The Oldham episode, I thought, I thought we did a really good job of showing. The celebration of that yeah, day, yeah, how good yeah. it was for them. Yeah. I thought they might really like this, yeah. um, but no, you can't get them to can't get them to say, "Hey, our fans, we should watch this." You yeah, know, it's, it's, great. And it's important to us that we do. We've got to get yeah. to those fans to increase our our viewership. But yeah. it's a challenge. Yeah. Um, so you, you're a child sport, aren't you? Mm. Oh yeah. Would you say that Dorking yeah. are your adopted club now as well? Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. Do you think you would have done what you did in the playoff final when you kicked the ball down the line if you weren't so heavily invested? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, I remember. I remember the point when Mark was like, "You're proper Dorking now." Um, yeah. That was that was a while back. That was midway through that season, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's. But how does Charlton start then? Because Charlton, oh, my where, dad. I'm so where are you from? from? Are you from Guildford or where? I'm from Rygate, but Dad's from um, Dad's family from Kent and the catchment area of Charlton. Yeah. So yeah. Dad first went in '52, I think, and I first went in '85. In the old Valley. My my first ever game was the last game at the Valley before we got kicked out. Sure. Um, so I went to Sellers Park. <laughs> <laughs> six years or whatever it was and then Upton Park where Charlton was for a year and then back to the Valley um, but the last Charlton game I went to I think was one of the last ones before lockdown I haven't been back since which to me is ludicrous that's the first time I've not been during the season yeah um, it was hard to go after Dad died in 2015 it was really hard to go back but I forced myself to because I didn't want it to get to a point where I never went anymore yeah, so, yeah. Um, but since doing this, it's just not really been possible. Um, there's been some weeknight games I want to try and go to get around to it because I'm always working. But um, yeah, it's, it's tough not going to Cheltenham anymore. Favourite player, Cheltenham? Jim Melrose. Jim Melrose, yeah. yeah Jim Melrose. Uh, he was forward. Flanagan. Uh, Flanagan, uh, yeah. He's, and it wasn't before my time. Oh, is he? I'm yeah. sorry, mate. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. That was time we did this with Macca, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. I think these boys are older than they look older than they are. You know what I mean? Kin- Kinsella, uh, Jim Melrose, uh, Cole Lieber, and Superclive Mendonca. You know, those are the dream players, oh, man. Um, and the guy with all the beard. I remember his name. Kale. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Again. Four years old, but still good players. Yeah. No, my dad's there. My dad's favourite players as well. So, and Stuart Deary, really liked. Yeah, those those players still mean a lot to me, and I don't know. It's different at Dorking because I don't idolise the players. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm mates with some of them to some extent. You yeah, know, and I can hang out with them, chat yeah. to them. So I don't have the same fan club relationship. No, yeah, but the clubs, in terms of the club's success and how interested I am in the club's success, 
like 100%. Like, I, Dorking success means more to me at this point in time than Charlton's success does. Yeah. Charlton have been bouncing around League One and Championship for so long now, rudderless, um, the fans desperately trying to keep it alive. Whereas here on the park, something mm. that's organised and where everybody involved cares and that just on a on a personal level, that gives me something to care about and to be invested in, which yeah. you know, and as the fans often say to me when I talk to them before matches, no one at Charlton has noticed that I haven't been there for three, four years. No, 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 no one's noticed. Why don't turn up at Dorking for a couple of weeks? I'm pretty sure I'm gonna get a phone call or two. So yeah, yeah. You know, like that's yeah. that's a big difference to me. Yeah, really, do you realise what you just said there about how you that vested interest You've imparted that through what you've done in so many other people as well. I hear that, but it's not tangible because, to me. I can't. Because for those of us that are in the stands, for instance, Notts County at the weekend and various away games this year, we're in amongst people that have come from all over the country because of what you have put out there. Yeah, I can't get my head yeah, around because, that. Because you know, there's you know so many of us that are coming up from Dorking. Yeah, you know, exactly. The, the guys there on Saturday that come from Lincoln again and, oh, yeah, and, and, and various yeah. others, you know. And, and and there's a lot of us that have lived and been around Dorking for a long, long time, looking around and not recognising a lot of people that were there that have come up into that away end because of the stuff that you're putting out there. Yeah, it's, it's really odd to me. I can't get my head around it. It's um, Like I said, when I'm doing the narration and that, I'm thinking about those 20 people thinking about the Charlton team watching this. When I'm making an episode, I can't stop and think how many people are going to watch this and how are they feeling about it or what are they, how is this going to affect support on Saturday? Like, I, I just can't, no, I can't get my head around it. It's odd. It's crazy. I love hearing it. It's brilliant. Um, it makes me go a little shy, to be honest. I can't, <laughs> it's really hard to describe. We had it on Saturday, so some fans, I was talking to the security guard and three fans spun around. And they got excited, and I was like, I must be here to see Mark. And then after I finished talking to this guy, they were like, Hi, oh, Rich, can we talk to you? And I was like, Oh, they know my name. And that's the strangest thing about all of this people, <laughs> yeah. when I walk around the ground, Hello, Rich. And I'm like, Do I know that guy? Am I supposed to know him? <laughs> or do I say hello? So it's it. We, we both chatted about this early on. Like, what do we say to people when they can't yeah. talk to it? So you've got to have a response. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I can't, I can't. When these guys were like, We've come here from. Boston, an hour and a half away, where it was, um, because we watched the show. I'm just like, wow, yeah, like, that's that's yeah. mad, yeah. Right, best clip and best and favorite player. <laughs> I know there's a lot. That's that's quite an yeah. in-depth question. <laughs> best clip, maybe you can't tell um, us. Best clip changes depending on when you ask me. I suppose. I mean, no, my favorite is obviously the club final running down the touchline. Um, that's one of my favorite life moments. Yeah, because. It was everything you could have dreamed of from a storytelling perspective, a bunch of elements perspective, personal perspective, seeing the joy, hearing Mark screaming yes. Um, you can see on the video, on the wide shot, I nearly jump on and then I remember myself and I'm like, oh, I mean, that, kind of, that is in a nutshell what it's like because, you know, Mark says you're part of this, but uh, I would always be on the periphery, kind of have to be to do the job. Um, and I think it's better for the for the episodes if I if I don't well, not just because the visuals but um, I should be slightly detached from it and it's a really hard thing to do because you know I'm, I care so deeply about their success and yeah. the players and you know that's a really tough thing is is 
not wanting to upset, offend, embarrass any of the playing staff is the toughest part of the job, probably. Mitch does um, himself, Mitch does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mitch, Mitch well. um, you know, that's, that's, yeah. Favourite player? Um, <sighs> bloody hell. Favourite player to watch on the pitch? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've, yeah, it's probably Briggy, Briggsy. Um, he's just so exciting. I love watching Josh Taylor when he starts driving forwards. I hate how handsome he is. Um, <laughs> but he's fun to watch driving forwards. Um, so I, I guess it's a up between those two, probably. Um, personally, I get on really well with Briggsy. Like, it's, it was certainly awkward for me at the start. I forget I'm a lot older than these guys for a start. Like, some of them could be my son. <laughs> like, I'm that old compared to them. I'm literally, my friend's son is, is the same age as some of these players. So, um, it took me a while to warm. So, I mean, it was a bit different. A child, I knew a lot of the players. And I went in and said to them, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And you have to trust me. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. But Dorking, about six or seven games in, I said to Mark, do the players know who I am and what I'm doing? Like the fuck, mate, I pay them. do as I told them. So I was like, I, I kind of need them to know what I'm doing. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember if we ever addressed that or not, but it took a long time for the players to even acknowledge I was there. Right. You know, to them, it was just this guy with a camera. So, um, but some of the, you know, Cal Kennedy was brilliant early on. He used to ask me, and he's really good at asking questions, Cal. So a lot of soft spot for Cal for always being conversational. Same with Jimmy Newitt and um, Nick Wheeler. And Nick Wheeler was the first player that I got in touch with to say, do you mind if I put this in an episode? I'd make this a TikTok. Yeah. Um, and I remember I text Mark and said, I have Nick's number. And Mark was like, why? Because <laughs> like, I'm not telling you. Um, and so I text Nick and Nick was like, yeah, no problem, put it in. And then at the next team talk, Mark said, um, in front of the whole team, just before the team talk, he said, well, Nick, we just got something on you, innit? And Nick's like, what do you mean? He goes, you text me, you wanted your number. I know, I know. You've said something about me, haven't you? Like he's only joking, he's winding them up. And I was like, I had to, I had to tell Mark off after. I was like, Mike, you cannot say that because now the players think that I'm yeah, showing them stuff yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Mark has never seen a second of footage that I think a player wouldn't want him to see. Not one second. And so it's really important to me that the players know Trust. that. Yeah, because yeah, I've got the GoPros, three GoPros recording in there yeah. all day. Mm. Um, and I delete 90% of it. I just keep the stuff that's team talk. So sure. someone was to fall over or, you know, yeah. like um, when um, Mecky was looking for his inner souls. Like those, those are the things that I'll keep. Everything else goes in the bin. So, um, yeah, it's really important players know that Mark doesn't see any of No one sees any of it. Even if I see something funny, I won't even text it to a friend. No, no, no. I just can't risk can't, it getting yeah. out there. You know? What about the best interviewer? <laughs> for the players the best person to interview the players no, no. oh sorry uh, who is the best player to interview oh I see I thought you were hoping that I was going to say you <laughs> um, that's that <laughs> don't have to say no more do we <laughs> um, Josh Taylor I hate how handsome he is but he's really good at, um, at giving me good answers it's very articulate. Yeah, articulate. Yeah. There's a few players articulate. Yeah. I spoke to me on Saturday when he arrived. Yeah. He's, he's just a really, really nice guy. Yeah. He's very articulate. And Briggs is well. the worst? <laughs> no, he's the worst. Um, someone gives me short answers. I can't remember who it is. It's Mora or Macca. Macca speaks very quietly. Oh, yeah. you, gave, you gave me a good one on Saturday, actually, Macca. Um, there is some, I think Mora, Mora gives me trained footballer answers, right. which my challenge is to not, you do the Saturday evening 
um, post-match kind of match of the day style thing, I've got to try and get to their emotions. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. that's the difference. And yeah. so they'll come out and do a bit with you. And then they come over to me and they want to do the same answers. Marketing's like, they want to do the same answers. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I've got to phrase the questions so that I'm not, not doing that. I've got all the episodes to get that information out. Yeah. Um, and then if it's, a, if it's a story beat, get him to wrap up that story at the end, fine. But I've got to try and get him to talk about how he feels. Yeah. That's really hard. Yeah. Um, Bobby Joe's great because he'd always give me time. Right. Um, if, if no one else wants to do it or there's yeah. no one else around, Bobby will do it. So I always appreciate that from him. Yeah. I'm sure I'm probably leaving some people out here. I feel bad, but there's <laughs> a lot of fans involved. Yeah, yeah. They're, all, they're all good lads. Um, do you ever, and you probably do actually, when you just leave that camera on, do you ever get stuff that you think, I can't believe I'm getting this? I can't believe I'm getting this footage or somebody else said about perhaps cameras um, going in changing rooms where a microphone's at a higher level and that, that sort of thing where you can see that kind of yeah that's, that's a tricky one man yeah. um, I can't, sometimes I can't believe the access I've got sometimes I can't believe I'm in this stadium standing yeah. here on a Saturday afternoon like Notts County I'm just, as soon as Mitch took me out of the tunnel I looked around PL, like, how's this happened? I would text Barks, and <laughs> Barks was like, bloody hell, you know, like, how far we've come. Um, that's the stuff I can't believe. Generally, footage wise, only if it's like a really dramatic goal do I think at the time, yeah, how lucky I am, yeah, to have gotten that, yeah, Maidstone, Pirate Final, stuff like that, yeah. For the most part, it's a lot of the stuff is recorded. We don't know what Mark is saying. We don't know what the coaches are saying. Yeah. And there'll be times when I'm in the edit and then I'll be like, I can't believe we've got this. Okay. Um, one of my favourite clips is the TikTok of Jimmy Newitt um, in that friendly when Mark says, uh, you score a hat-trick so I'll give you a jacket. They told me about that after the game. Right. So I went home and had to go through the footage yeah. and I, could find, I heard it on the mic I had to listen for ages. I'm sitting there eating peanuts, just listening to Mark talk, talking about, you know, like his greyhound, he's talking about <laughs> what he did last night. And then I hear him go, Wait, Jimmy. And I'll be like, Hold on a minute. And I'll, okay, I found the audio. Now I've just got to find yeah. some video. I've just got to pray yeah. that he was yeah. near a camera when he said it. Yeah. And then when I went through the GoPros, and I was like, Oh, Jimmy's sitting there. That's in camera shot. And then I saw Mark walk in and go, Wait, Jimmy. And I was like, and I immediately really? filmed it and I texted it to Barks. I'm like, we've got our first real big one here. Yeah. I know this is going to work. And <laughs> it was one of our biggest ever TikTok. So, yeah, there are, yeah, it's different times to answer the questions. There's different times when I'm like, I can't believe I've got that. Yeah, because I guess you don't know what you've got until you get home and you yeah. start looking at it. Yeah, the guys are told the stuff that's on the whole, maybe with the stuff about his genes. Yeah, I couldn't hear that at the time. Talking, yeah. formation change, and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. I can't hear it at the no, time. No. And the guys are told. In that hour before kickoff, when Mark's walking around, just keep filming him. I know it's boring yeah. and you think it's nothing, yeah. but you never know what he's going to say or what someone's going to say to him yeah, when he goes back into the coaches yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And so there's a good one where he, um, he talks to the Chesterfield manager. Um, oh, yeah. And when I make the TikToks, I tend to send them to Mark. Yeah. If, if he's in them, I make sure he's okay with it. Yeah. Occasionally he'll be like, nah, I look too silly. I mean, his willingness to put himself... You know, up there to be shot down is yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, I know he does it because it's worth it. He's kind of willing to take the flak if it means the club are more successful. Yeah. So he's willing yeah. to do it for that reason as much as anything. Um, so I remember that one. He was like, no, that's boring. Don't do that one. And I was like, I think you'd be surprised because 
people love that behind the scenes bit of the conversation between two managers. Yeah, I love that. If you had a video of Ferguson and Wenger, yeah, yeah, having a chat on the sidelines, that'd be huge. Yeah. So we try and do that, not legal. Yeah, no, that was because because somebody put that together on social media, didn't they? Because they were having a chat, and he said, "If you need anything after today, let us know." And then a few weeks later, Joe Cook. Of course, yes, good point. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd like it to be involved in um, transfers a bit more, but there's right. a handful of things he keeps very close to his chest, and transfers are one of those things. Right. So I said to him, and because he mixes up his, I assume, I don't really know, but I assume he mixes up his work a lot, he's always working. So working when he's in the car, yeah. he's working when he's in the kitchen, yeah. you know, his voice notes, and because it's such a mixture. It's not like I can come in and say, right, I'm going to film you for doing football work for a few hours. Because right. you'll probably be doing his other work for a few hours. And with a bit of football, it's just impossible to do that. Something that I die was grateful seeing that chairman stuff. Yeah, talking to yeah. the players and yeah. 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 But I don't get to do that because I'd have to be on his shoulder all day, every day, yeah. just to get those little bits in yeah. between. Yeah. It'd be different if they were full time, maybe that would be different because he would be in his office and you could go into his office and you could even talk to someone, maybe. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. People ask me this a lot what are his plans in terms of full time and that. Um, I don't know what his plans are. I know. Got, he keeps those cards close yeah. to his chest, but if I were to guess, I'd say if they stay up, I think they'd have to look at it because yes. of course, it's yeah. been tougher than this season. They've seen what it's like yeah. going to Torquay on a Tuesday night, whatever. Um, I think you'd have to consider it. So I'm praying they stay up. I'm hopeful that we'll do season four and I will get those opportunities. So if they went full time, that would be benefit you, obviously. I, I mean, it's the best thing about what we've done so far is every season's been very different. Yeah. And so we've had a season that's been screwed by COVID, we've had a promotion season, yes. we've had a struggle season. Yeah. To do another season, yeah. if we'd just been in the same division the whole time, I don't think we'd be going this far. But to then do a season that is then full time yes. for the first time, yeah. and if that were to happen to show the transition, which yeah. I don't think anyone's ever had the opportunity to do before up close, then no, that's really exciting. To Definitely. Yeah, 100%. I remember you talking at one point saying that you, one of the things you wanted to do was try and get to speak to the players during their day jobs. Anything come of that? Was there pushback on that? There's no pushback, it's just me staying in my safer place. Okay. I think uh, partly because I'm editing, I edit about nine to ten hours a day, yeah. five, six days a week. So to take time out of doing the show, and I've kind of, by having a couple of weeks off recently, put child up, has bought me enough time that I can do stuff like this. I bought myself enough time and organization that I can get nine to five days and a day off, one day off a week. Um, but doing something like that, so I'd probably have to go to Kent, for instance, and do Barry and yeah. Um, yeah. Bob training and stuff like that. I'd like to do Alfie up a ladder and whatever. Um, I do really want to do that. I've done it once with Charlwood before and it worked really well. Um, but when I, it, I don't have to do it. And when I've got the option of sitting there and sorting the next episode and getting ahead, or phoning up a player who doesn't really want to yeah. film. Yeah. I always choose to do that. Yeah, well, I don't, um, yeah, I don't think being safe, I think probably that's more important what you just said. Yeah, I think so, but it's not something I'm going to discount. And if we do go again next season, um, the opportunity to talk to players and do more with players is going to be there. Yeah. Um, but they'll be full time. I don't know if you'll have any part-time players, and my guess is you probably would. Um, but if they were full-time, then you know it's a bit different. So before the end of the season, I would like to do it. Okay. I, I talk to you now, because we should do that. <laughs> yeah.
What else is there? So your um, your scripts and your uh, sort of uh, voiceovers got any inspiration for that? Does that just come from you, or have you got inspiration that you use for that? Um, <laughs> it's just from me, I think. Um, there's a couple of jokes. The long tail camera for the walking chairs is from a Michael J. Fox movie called The Secret of My Success. So I ripped that off. Um, but I don't think it was original to that film. Um, otherwise, I, mean, I like I like to throw in quotes from old movies, from eighties movies, where I can. Um, there's things that my dad says said, but he'd say them wrong, and his attitude was everyone else would say them wrong. So I'll say them that way, and I've gotten confused. Like uh, I said, Berkshire the other day, it's sort of year said. So someone corrected me, and I was like, "Yeah, I kind of know it's Berkshire, but this is the way that my family said Snesley wipes." He never said Wesley Snesley, he said Snesley wipes. Um, <laughs> so there are certain things that I'll say that my dad used to say, and I, I, just, I know my dad would have loved the shows. I know yeah. he would have done. And he yeah. says the only real regret I've got here is that he never saw it. Um, I used to love Danny Baker's uh, Danny Baker did a thing called The Match yes I remember it was, that. A, it was Sunday League yeah. and he treated it like it yes. was professional yeah. football my dad loved that he bought the DVD and that so I know he loved this um, so I try and include my daddisms where I can nice. anything that pops into my head that he would have liked or anything that he would have quoted um, but otherwise like I script writing is something I was always good at something when I was at college I wrote other people's scripts for him so um, writing the words comes very, very easy to me. Um, so that's that's a relief because if I had any writer's block, they would all be screwed. Yeah. Right then, a couple more is there or just one more? I think that is virtually almost all of it. Yeah, yes. we've got mixed on the camera for you now, but do we want to talk about mixed? Well, you've got, well I've got that on several cameras. Yeah, I've got the second form as well. Yeah, yeah we've heard about it. Yeah, we've heard yeah. about that one. Yeah. So, yeah, do you want to thank the people for answering the question, yeah. I reckon? Um, we did have a few. So, uh, Bees Pod, the uh, Barnet Pod, uh, Mash asked the question, Jason Weir, Ian Murray, as a big supporter of the podcast, Beth Chapman, Chris Pinion, Tim Knightley, Rob Harrison at America as well. He emailed yeah. the question. Um, and everybody that had emailed in and commented and, and tweets us and supports us as well. And obviously, we always thank everyone for their support. Definitely. Was complete carpentry and build, and Gary spoke about earlier. Yeah, no, thanks for sending the questions, and uh, thanks for your time, Richie. It's yeah. been really interesting. Because so really, right? obviously we, we see you on match day, we can't talk because you're busy, and it's nice to find behind the scenes how you are as a person, and uh, you're back in earth, by the sounds of it. I need more sleep, that's true. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, mate. Really that's it, nice picture. I'm always happy to answer questions. Yes. Like, you know, talk about me and my life and my work. I do it all day. It's no problem. Thank you. Talking Wanderers is proudly sponsored by Complete Carpentry and Build. Visit www.completecarpentryandbuild.co.uk to check out their website.